If you're in touch with God, he will stand by your side. If you're out of touch with God, well, you stand alone. I want to be standing right with God. I do. COVID-19 has really been a great opportunity for those who wanted to be spiritual to be spiritual. Those who wanted to be carnal, they have been carnal. I saw Paul Adelot post a meme today. He said that COVID-19 has left many of us pregnant, single, broke, and fat. Which one are you? Well, my answer, hopefully, is none of those. But I tell you what, COVID-19 has been a hard time. You know, I've tried to be as optimistic as I can this year. I, I, I've tried to be, but I've realized I've got to be loyal to the truth. I've got to be loyal to the facts. I've got to be loyal also to reality. And the reality is times are not really very good, uh, broadly speaking. Uh, thankfully, my wife and I have recovered from COVID-19, not 100%, still got some fatigue, a little bit of the headache, all of that. We're just uh, trying our best to stay healthy, well, and of course, trusting God for life, trusting God for strength. But uh, times are rough. Times are hard. And especially in the spirit world, October, I have noticed this now for the past 15 years, October, something shifts in the spirit world. Something happens uh, in the invisible world, the invisible world. We call it the spirit world. Uh, In the New Testament, it's called the invisible world in other places, the higher realm, Uh, other places in scripture, the heavenlies. Stuff happens this time and season, leaving the summer, approaching fall, and when things start to really get cold. And we want to talk about spiritual warfare today, uh, how you can be armed and ready for battle and win the battle, win the fight every single time. You're here to listen. I'm here to talk. This is Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason, bringing you the message of God, Bible, and church in the year 2020. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many other podcast platforms. Please consider subscribing, giving a great review and rating, listen to our past episodes, come back for future episodes, and be sure to tell somebody about Spirit Signal. Podcast listeners are loyal, they're smart, and they're delightful. So let's you and I stay connected. Follow me on Facebook pages, Instagram, and Twitter at Justin C. Gleason. Contact me at spiritsignaljg at gmail.com. Podcasting is the future. And with the help of your loyal listenership, I will have a future in it. I want to say a big shout out to Canada. Canada, just north of us here. Canada, Ontario, and British Columbia. I mean, I tell you what, they have caught on to the Spirit Signal podcast. Big numbers, great numbers. Thank you so much, Ontario and British Columbia, for your listenership. We've heard great things that are happening up there in Canada. I've only been to to Canada once. I went to Toronto for General Conference and really enjoyed my time there. So I know it's beautiful up there, great people, and we're so glad you're taking time uh, to listen to our message that we speak, and we pray it continues to bless you. Down here in the United States of America, in the month of September, our top five Coming in at number one, usually number one, actually always number one, my home state, Missouri. Right next door, Illinois. And all the way out on the West Coast, number three, California. 
thank you so much to these great states for your listenership. I could totally go for a bag of in and out burgers. I could. Yes, California, I'm talking to you. On over into Illinois, there is this place in downtown Chicago called Gene and Giorgetti's. I had a steak there uh, about 15 years ago, and I can still taste that thing. Oh, man, was it good. Also, Chicago-style pizza. Could totally go for some of that. Mm, yummy. Shockingly, shockingly, but I'm so happy to announce to you two other states that have never come in in our top five. Uh, brand new, Georgia and North Carolina. Made it to the top five in September. That came out of nowhere. I am just thrilled to death about this. I love the South. I love the East Coast. Georgia, North Carolina, thank you so much for your loyal listenership. We really, really appreciate it. You know what I could really go for right now is some Bojangles. Ugh, those spicy chicken biscuits. Oh, they're so good. Uh, thank you, everyone, for taking time to write a review. Most of you listen listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews and four or five star ratings really, really help us out. Thanks, Jaken Orton, for writing about us. Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason is absolutely on fire. Always excited when I see a new episode notification. He's hilarious, but then the conviction sets in and challenges us to live deeper lives of prayer, study, and consecration. I highly recommend anyone who wants to live a life connected to God to listen to any episode and let it work on you. Listen and let it (laughs) offend you again. Yep, that's one of our phrases around here. Why don't you listen to it again and let it offend you? Thank you, Jaken. Texas Young. This is a great way to keep your mind on the spirit. Brother Gleason absolutely has incredible content. I'm glad that there are men of God that show the world that just as Jesus did, we can overcome anything and share that with others. Thanks for dedicating yourself to the ministry. Be blessed. Keep this podcast going. Fire. Barcaro J. I'm pretty sure I know who that is. Awesome podcast. I always look forward to a new episode. Content is relevant, diverse, and spiritual. If you haven't listened, it will bless you. Thank you, Barcaro J. You know, I'm really not that smart. I'm not. I'd, I wish I could go back and, and worked harder at making better grades in school. I really didn't become studious until I was about 21. I asked God for a love to read his word, and he gave it to me. He gave it to me. And the only reason I have anything to say is because God's been good to me. He's given amazing experiences in my life for me to share with you. The Bible is a powerful book. It is deep. It is the greatest treasure that we have. And then I had the privilege of growing up in a phenomenal church, the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri, pastored by my father, Stan Gleason. I've had tremendous experiences, and with all of these things, that's why I have something to talk about. You talk about what you know about. So some of you are wondering, how do I start a podcast? How do I get something to preach? How do I do this? How do I do that? You talk about what you know about. you got to start reading. you got to start observing. And who is at our front door? Uh, sorry about that. These days I keep my phone on at all times. You never know who needs you. Uh, I'm back now. That at the front door was a uh, pest control uh, person giving us a nice free 
inspection of termites, which is a good thing to do. You don't want termites destroying your church. There's already too many other things out there trying to bring down the church. And the last thing you want your campus to go down for is because of termites. You don't want that. So we got a great report. And they're going to send us over an estimate, and who knows what we'll do. It's October. The spirit world shifts in October. I've just observed this through the years. I I don't understand it. Uh, It probably has a lot to do with the fall feasts, uh, trumpets, atonement, and uh, tabernacles. I was uh, sick with COVID-19 for most of that. I wasn't able to enjoy it and do the things I normally do during that time. So we're, we're making up for it this week. Praise God. And also Halloween is coming up and witchcraft is heightened. So I believe these things all collaborating have a lot to do with the spirit world. And this year it's even more, more intensified here. And that's because of uh, election year. This election year has intensified the spirit world. Uh, It's all about control of the land, all about control of government, all about the control of people. If you don't think the devil is involved in politics, think again. It is very much so involved in politics because politics are influential. Uh, Politics are powerful, and the devil is trying to do everything he can uh, to prepare the kingdoms of this world for the manifestation of the beast. Yes, the Antichrist, the wicked one. The spirit of Antichrist is in the world. It has been since New Testament times, even actually probably before that. The spirit of Antichrist has been fighting uh, Messiah, the Son of God, uh, for a long time. A very long time. Now, the man of sin, I don't think, is present. He has not manifested. That's another subject uh, for another time. But all all these forces of darkness are at work. And that's why we've got to be vigilant. We have got to be prayed up. We have got to live holy lives. And we're going to talk about spiritual warfare today. Uh, The foundation of spiritual warfare for the Christian Like every subject in the Bible, uh, spiritual warfare is seen all throughout the Bible. Uh, You look at the subject of forgiveness all throughout the Bible. The subject of humility all throughout the Bible. Spiritual warfare is, is another thing all throughout the Bible. But I think a great place to start is in the book of Ephesians. Paul's writing to the church, and you look at what he says. Ephesians 6, begin reading at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. That is a passage that you need to be familiar with. That is a passage that you need to have highlighted in your Bible. Because if you will practice the things written here, you will win victories in the spirit world. A lot of times you won't even know you you really were in a battle until maybe afterwards. 
But this is how to prevent, how to protect, and how to be sure that you prosper spiritually through all of these things. I, I like the context of, of this, something that they taught us in Bible college, is to, to look at who wrote it, look at who they wrote it to, and you, it will help you understand the context of, of this. Ephesus was a beautiful city, and Christianity flourished in it. It prospered in it. You can read about it in the book of Acts, and you can read about it in this letter. But yeah, it was a very sophisticated city. Uh, at this time in the first century, population of about 250,000 people, very good-sized city, sophisticated. Uh, it was the center of cultural learning, uh, had a lot of uh, artistic beauty. Uh, there's even still a lot of uh, buildings that were there back then at the time of Paul. The ruins of it still remain to this day. Very beautiful, uh, known for world trade, and also known for its pagan temples. Had a lot of them, 20 major pagan temples, uh, known for their erotic pagan rituals, their sorcery, and of course the city had a lot of crime. So you take all of these things, put them together, and what do you have? Oh, a major hotbed for demonic activity. Yes. It had a large temple to the goddess Diana, also known in other languages, Artemis. It was the ancient fertility god. And many all throughout the world would travel there to pay offerings to Diana in hopes that they would be pregnant that Diana would give them healthy babies, healthy children, and God would give them, and, and that Diana would give them fertility. The priests were able to take a lot of these offerings given to Diana and offer loans to the people and make a lot of money off interests. So you had a, a big business out of this to the temple of Diana. Isn't that something? You also had there in, in uh, Ephesus theaters, one big theater, and when the people would come to it, they would begin by making a sacrifice to the gods. And then the, the actors and the people would consume a lot of alcohol and a lot of raw meat. A lot of raw, uncooked meat. They would then perform lewd and profane plays about the gods and mankind. This uh, uh, theater that sat uh, on, on a hill overlooking Ephesus, when the people would sit... In the theater, the actors would perform on the stage. Actors, by the way, in Greek is hypocritus, where we get the word hypocrites. Isn't it something that Jesus called the Pharisees <laughs> hypocrites? They were all just actors to him. They were not real. Their spirituality was not real. It was all just simply an act. In Ephesus, they had the, hippo, the, the hypocrites. They would get on a stage, act out, perform uh, plays about Zeus and, and Diana and, and Artemis and Hermes and Medusa and all of that. Uh, they would perform plays, and there was no backdrop to this theater, but the backdrop was the city itself. So the people would sit in their seats, watch uh, horrible, lewd, rude, and crude plays done about uh, Greek mythology, and behind them was not a backdrop, but rather the city. They could see their homes. They could see their houses. They could see their businesses. They could see all of that, and it was designed to make whatever happened on stage a reality in the real world. So that's how influential acting was. That was the, the Hollywood of that day. Wow, not much has changed from then to now. Uh, you read about Paul coming to this pagan city in Acts ch chapter 19. You read about how he brought the gospel to them. 
Was it relative? Was it emergent? Was it all of this seeker-sensitive, friendly stuff? No, it really wasn't, actually. He came there on his first day, and he found disciples of John in the upper coasts of Ephesus. And he asked them a question, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That's a great conversation starter with lost people, let me tell you. Uh, You'll get them talking, believe you me. They'll have questions for you. And, And what does it say? They say, we haven't heard if there is any Holy Ghost. And Paul elaborates on it lays hands on them, and they receive the Holy Ghost. Read later on, for two years, Paul taught in all of Asia, out, out, of, out of Ephesus there. It was, it was powerful what he was able to accomplish. Yet You also had the story of the Jewish exorcists, the sons of Sceva, the high, uh, one of the priests. They tried to do spiritual warfare, as Paul did, and they said, we, we command you. Uh, by Paul to come out. And, of course, the devils uh, said, Jesus we know, Paul we know, we don't know you. And those demonic spirits overpowered them. So, yeah, they did spiritual warfare warfare wrong, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, there in Ephesus, many confessed their sins. They burned their magic books. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Acts, those magic books were valued at 50,000 pieces of silver. Uh, that's, a lo- that's a lot of value there. Uh, many believed. They quit their witchcraft. They quit, they quit their pagan practices. Uh, Christianity was got to be so powerful and grew so much uh, that it put uh, the idol makers out of business. Demetrius, he made idols of Diana. People quit buying them and other pagan idols completely out of business. And uh, a big riot happened because of this. It was a two-hour-long chant. There, there in Ephesus, people were chanting, at the temple, great is Diana, great is Diana. And, of course, the governing authorities came in and got involved. And you know, all of these things, you have to go back and, and read it on your own. But, yeah, there's just, I'm just laying a foundation for you for the culture of Ephesus, a very sophisticated culture, a lot of business there, a lot of sinful practices there. You know, it reminds me a lot of what America is, truly is. We love the theater. We love our movies. And we have taken a lot of what we see on stage, read in books, see in, the, in, in, in movies, see on our screens, and we apply it to our life. And we have a lot of idolatry. Now, you don't really don't see shrines of Diana you know, on people's doorsteps. But uh, there's idols that exist in various other ways. And really, it's the idol of mankind, uh, our idols of, of entertainment and pride and ego and self-centeredness. All of those things exist all around us, and they're really heightened during this time and in this month. Uh, The pagans, a lot of pagans really are secretive about their practices, uh, but believe me, they're there. They're in your neighborhood. They're all around. And uh, hopefully you don't have any secretly practicing this stuff in your church. It will be very painful for them if exposed. And in Jesus' name I pray they are, and the church comes against that. You don't want none of that in your congregation, believe me. Paul taught the Ephesian church, yes, how to receive the Holy Ghost, baptism in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. They prophesied, they had healings, they had miracles, but he also taught them the depths of spiritual warfare, and they needed it. Because the demonic world was very powerful and very active in their city, and in order to have great revival, they had to bind all of that. And Paul taught the church how to live and how to pray against that. Uh, because uh, Ephesus was rooted in pagan sorcery. And uh, a lot of the religious men, like the sons of Sceva, they practiced 
uh, weak spiritual warfare. The sons of Sceva did um, rituals that uh, the mystic, the Jewish mystics, probably a lot of what they learned in Babylon, uh, how they how they performed exorcism, and a lot of uh, religious people uh, practice these types of exorcisms uh, to this day. Let me tell you this: exor- exorcisms rarely ever work. You know, starving the person, making the person talk, trying to confuse the devil—it rarely ever works. You know what works? The name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and living a powerful, holy life. That's what the devil will fear. Mm-hmm. You notice how Paul opens up his this passage. He says, "Be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might." That's how you fight the devil. You got to have strength in the Lord. You got to have God on your side. You can't fight the devil alone. He will overcome you. You got to know the true Jesus, the real Jesus, and his true power through his Holy Spirit. And you got to have God's armor. You got to have God's armor. You need to know who the true God is, and you need to know how to use this power. And in having that, you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles isn't really a common word we use anymore, but it means uh, to be cunning, manipulative, persuasive, and that's what the devil is. He's been doing that ever since uh, he talked to Eve, uh, in the manifesting in the form of a serpent at the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The devil still practices these wiles, these wiles. He does it everywhere, and we need to be ready for that because the devil wants to destroy your soul. Jesus said hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell was not prepared for mankind. Earth was prepared for mankind. But through deceit, through trickery, Satan in his vendetta against God wants to steal his prized creation, mankind, who he created in his image. You see, the devil doesn't care about you. He just wants to anger God. He wants to frustrate God. He wants to make God to look like a liar. He wants to make God to look uh, incapable of caring for humanity. You look at the conversation Job or uh, that Satan has with God about Job. That's the same conversations that he's having with God about you and I to this day. Satan observes saints. He observes people in the church, and his idea is for you to backslide. That's what he wants to do. That's why he's walking to and fro in the earth. He wanted to cause Job to backslide. He wants you and I to backslide. And if you were if you were like me years ago, I believed in the devil. I believed in demons, but I never thought they would want to have anything to do with me. I thought they only had something to do with powerful uh, men of God. But then I realized Satan wants to destroy everyone in the church. Oh, yeah, he absolutely does. And he tried to destroy the church in Ephesus. But Paul got his leaders together, got the church together. They prayed, they lived holy lives, and they were able to conquer and set up a great church there. Paul talked about the armor of God. You need to have these things on you, in you, with you at all times. And that is uh, uh, a waist with truth, breastplate of righteousness, feet prepared with the, with the gospel of peace, uh, the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. There's been a lot of phenomenal teaching as to why Paul said put truth on your waist, why faith belongs on your shield, uh, why your feet have the gospel of peace. I'm not really going to get into all that, but specifically just these six things, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. These are the things that you fight the devil with. 
Now, you notice here, Paul doesn't say, just scream in the name of Jesus over and over at the top of your lungs. He doesn't say, go down to go down to City Hall and march around it 700 times, dumping oil in a circle all around it, yelling at the top of your lungs how much authority you have, and you're claiming this territory for God. He really doesn't do that. You know what he says here, how you fight the devil, how you resist him, how you have power with him, how you truly have partnership with God over the over the enemies. It is to have armor on you. It's you, how you live, and that is to have truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and the spirit world. If you're feeling like you don't have authority in the spirit world, chances are you lack in one of these areas. There's a part of you that doesn't believe the truth. If you're out there in false doctrine, you're not going to be able to fight the devil. I'm telling you what, it's it's kind of dying down, but I remember about 10 years ago, there was a lot of these uh, people leaving the apostolic church or for the Yeshua House of Yahweh movement. These people who were going back to Old Testament law, believing in the power of the Old Testament law, uh, they started practicing Sabbath, they quit saying Jesus and started saying Yeshua, and started doing a lot of things that really aren't fulfilling the law of Christ, but rather going back to the Old Covenant. Now, I believe in the Old Testament. I believe in the roots of it, the foundation of it. But we obey the law of Christ. And I've noticed a lot of these people that left, their families uh, fell apart. Their marriages fell apart. Their kids all backslid. And it was just because it was a, a movement that wasn't based in the spirit. It was based in a false doctrine, the spirit of error. They didn't have truth. Uh, righteousness, you got to have that. Uh, for spiritual warfare. you got to have that. Uh, if you have a problem with pornography and you try to go to fight the devil, uh, you're not going to win because you have opened a door for the devil to work inside of you. you he's able to take a foothold in a place inside of you. Uh, if you're constantly getting high on quote-unquote medita- medication, really it's drugs, you're getting stoned, uh, how are you going to fight the devil with that stuff? We're commanded to be sober. You know, just the list goes on. You've got to have righteousness, peace. If you're not a person of peace, you know, you think you're somebody in your church, but you're always fighting your pastor on stuff. You like to stand up and make a scene in business meetings. Uh, you you tend to undermine what the youth pastor does. You think your granddaughter needs to be the one singing solos every Sunday, so you're giving the worship leader problems. You're not going to be able to fight the devil. You're not a person of peace. You're not a team player, but rather you're the sandpaper in the room in the church. You're, you're always commenting under, under the live streams how horrible the sound is and how, how the, uh, the uh, feed gets cut, and you're always complaining. You're not a person of peace, and you're not going to be able to overcome the devil, but rather the devil is going to overcome you. You need to have a spirit of peace upon you. The devil cannot fight peace. The devil is chaos. Uh, the devil is uh, full of conflict. And in having those attitudes, uh, being a contentious, being a complainer, all of those things, you're really acting like Satan himself. That's what got him kicked out of heaven. He wanted to be greater. He wanted to go up higher. He wanted to do all of these things uh, to show that he was in control and that he was greater than God and he was more powerful uh, than what God had given him. He had more powerful than what God had given to him. So um, you got to keep these things in mind. You got to keep these things in mind. You take a look at um, uh, also the shield of faith. You got to have faith. You can't go into this stuff with doubt. You have to have total confidence in God. You, of course, have got to have the helmet of salvation. It is amazing 
How many people try to go into battle and they are not even saved? They haven't obeyed the full gospel message. They're not walking with God. They don't work out their salvation. But they're actively involved in adultery. And then they're parading themselves around on the altar, waving their hands around, laying hands on people. Of course, not much of that now. I miss altar calls. But yeah, trying to act powerful, look powerful, and they themselves are not even saved. They've not repented. They've not turned uh, away from this untoward this untoward generation. You got to be saved. You got to be saved to, fi- to, to fight. You got to be saved to have power in the spirit. And then, of course, uh, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. They don't know their Bible. They don't know their Bible, nor can they recognize a true prophetic word from God. You got to understand the scripture. You got to know what the spirit is saying uh, to have power over uh, against the great powers uh, that exist in the heavenly realm. Okay, so we've talked about Ephesus, what it was. It's very similar probably to your city here in America. We're a Western nation. We got a lot of that from the Greco-Roman world. Talked about the whole armor of God, the truth, the righteousness, the peace, the faith, the salvation, and the word of God. You have all of these things actively working in your life, and you're set up for spiritual success. You are set up to be able to overcome the devil and to become a powerful saint in the church of the living God. Now, let's let's go into who is Paul talking about that we fight. He lists four major evil entities, evil spirits, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual hosts of wickedness. This is really interesting to me. He doesn't use the word demon. He doesn't use the word unclean spirit. But he uses four specific types of spirits that are actually higher ranking than devils, unclean spirits, demons, all of those things. We'll talk about those probably in a, in a future episode in this series. Here Paul mentions great high ranking beings. You know what's interesting? He mentions four. I believe there are four major types of high ranking angels. You have the angels of worship, which are the cherubim. You have the uh, messenger angels, which is like Gabriel. You have the angels of war, which is like Michael. And then you have the ministering spirits, the ones that live here on earth that look like us, that encamp around about them, that fear them. So you have four major angels. You have here, and this is just speculation. This is just my my idea on this. I, I can't prove this. It's just my idea. You have four major angels. It makes sense why there would be four major high-ranking evil spirits that Paul lists here principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual host of wickedness. Principalities, I define those as areas of the world. It's geographical. There's the uh, prince of Greece uh, you read about in um, the book of Daniel. Also mentions the prince of Persia. These are high-ranking spirits that I don't really think possess people. None of these four possess people. They don't want to possess people. They want to control areas of the world. They want to control a certain type of evil. They want to control an entire culture. It's not just one person that they're after. They're after millions of people. And you have principalities. They control the areas of the world. Uh, America, there's a principality uh, over this land. It's over, over states, over boundaries. 
I don't know if they're really confined to man-made state lines, but rather more like tree lines, rivers, mountain ranges. That's probably uh, how they work. I'm not, not certain about that, but that's kind of my idea. Paul mentioned, secondly, powers. I believe these are the abilities of influence. Powers, the abilities of, of influence. Uh, this, I think, definitely applies to drugs. There is a power over meth. Meth is uh, really big all throughout America, especially here uh, in, in the Midwest. You see it uh, destroy cities. I mean, it just turns people into an animal. That is a power. There is a high-ranking evil spirit that searches out people to deal drugs, gives them power, gives them authority, uh, you know, to, to really influence people for, for evil, destroys souls. Uh, I think another great power is the media. There is a high-ranking evil spirit that's really heavily involved in the fake news, has been feeding people uh, lies, and just destroys minds through media, also uh, through entertainment and things like that. You get the picture. It's the ability of wicked influence, okay? You then have rulers of darkness of this age, and... How I kind of define it, and all four of these really work together, sometimes overlapping, but how this is unique to the others is rulers of darkness of this age is leadership that seeks to keep mankind from seeing the light of truth during the church age. The rulers of darkness specifically work to blind people to the light of Jesus Christ. It just keeps people bound and confused. Evolution, whatever is behind that, a powerful demonic spirit got into Charles Darwin and all the others before Darwin and after uh, Darwin and really kept people blinded to the power of creation and believing a lie that we're all here by a massive explosion. That is what a ruler of darkness would do. It applies to uh, to uh, evolution. It applies to uh, false Christianity, you know, just a little bit of a lie. A little bit of a lie, you know, uh, not far from here. We have a big presence of the LDS movement, the Latter-day Saint movement. And they lessen the deity of Jesus Christ in their teachings. And people have bought into that stuff, believe that stuff. And it's kept them in darkness from seeing the true light of who Jesus Christ, uh, the Son of God, is. The doctrine of the Trinity does this. Jesus Christ in the Bible is the first and the last, but in the Trinity, he is the second. You know, all of these things, all of this language really blinds people to the true light. So that's the rulers of darkness. And then spiritual hosts of wickedness and high places, uh, these are just uh, high-ranking spiritual beings that influence men to sin. Influence men to sin. They're not really after keeping people in darkness, but rather they just know how to get people to sin. It's just the mass uh, pandemic of sin, major sin. So chances are, if you can think of sin, if you can think of evil, you think of a wicked movement, you can fit fit them into one of the four of these categories. Okay, You can fit them into one of four of these categories. Principalities, which is geographical. Powers, which is a certain type of influence. Rulers of darkness of this age. It's keeping pure people in spiritual darkness. Keeping them from seeing the light that exists in Jesus Christ in his church. And then fourthly, you have spiritual hosts of wickedness. These are uh, beings that really control and influence people to sin. All four of those. So Paul says that's who we're really fighting. And how you fight them is how you live. It's by the armor of God. Do you have the truth? Do you have righteousness? Do you have peace? 
Are you a person of faith? Do you have salvation? Do you have the sword of the Spirit? So that's how you live. That's how you function. Really, that's the, the power of spiritual warfare. It is the life that you live. And then, of course, Paul breaks it down. He says, in order to fight these things, to have revival, to, to, to have an overcoming life, to have God on your side, you've got to pray and you've got to supplicate. You need to learn how to pray consistently. consistently. Prayers that God hears, prayers that God wants to hear. Learning how to uh, take out your ambition and your will out of it and pray the kingdom of God and the will of God, calling upon God as our Father, depending upon Him for spiritual bread, depending upon Him to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, keep us from the wicked one, helping us also to forgive, all of those things, praying as God taught. He said, you got to know how to have supplication, and that is to come to God humbly and make requests from Him. He also taught us to be watchful, be watchful. Let me tell you what, not being watchful can really uh, uh, set you up for a disaster. You look at the disciples in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus is about to be betrayed and taken, what does he say? Watch and pray. Watch and pray. It's, yeah, it is talking about physical sleep, but more so it's talking about keeping your mind alert. If you don't think the devil tries to distract people when the word of God is being preached, think again. You may, you may have a devil with you in your car right now knowing you're listening to this podcast and is distracting you. Eliminating distractions will greatly help you in spiritual battles to stay focused on what is real and what is true. And that is simply being watchful. Keeping your eyes open. The devil likes to work unseen. You got to keep your eyes on your spouse. You got to keep your eyes on your kids. Look for the signs. Look for the signals. Uh, look and see. You and you keep your eyes open. You'll know when the devil's there. He tries to go undetected. He's like a thief. He's like the mob. But keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. Uh, perseverance. You need to remain steadfast during time during difficult times. Uh, that that has been a major weakness for many of us this year in 2020. This horrible year, COVID-19, this pa- pandemic. A lot of us have not remained steadfast. We didn't know how to serve the Lord by watching church on the Internet. We don't know how to serve the Lord by being uh, social distance. We don't know how to serve the Lord uh, without altar calls and things like that. We've got to remain steadfast during this time. Okay, COVID-19 is real. And, yes, thankfully businesses are opening. We're getting back to life as normal. Uh, the plague is still there, and we still need to practice uh, all of the hygienic precautions that we can, all of that. But you need to learn how to serve the Lord in the midst of a pandemic. You need to be able to serve the Lord in the midst of us trying not to pass the sickness to each other. You need to be able to do it. That's spiritual warfare. you got to do it. Supplication for all saints. You want to get God's attention, start praying for members of your church. Start praying for other people in the church. That's who God cares about. And if you begin to care about who God cares about, God will bless you. God will empower you. He'll show you his might. So it's not that hard to figure out who needs prayer in the church. I mean, everybody needs prayer. But find out who's sick. Find out who's suffering. Find out who's really going through it. And pray for them. Call out their name to the Lord. And in doing so, you will help the church, you will help saints, and you will help yourself. And Paul said, pray for me, pray for my ministry. You need to be praying for your pastor. Praying for your pastor is powerful spiritual warfare. It is. Call out the name of your pastor. Because who do you think Satan wants to destroy first in the church? It's the pastor. It's the great leader. It's the bishop. That's who Satan is after. 
Pray for your pastor always, that God would help them, that God would strengthen them. And most of all, pray that you would get in, in to be in constant agreement with your pastor. Constant agreement with your pastor. So that's how you do it. Figure out what the principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual host of wickedness are in your area. You got casinos around you. You got fortune telling around you. Uh, you got pornography around you. You got drug. You got all of those things. Figure out what category it fits into. And in knowing the enemy, exposing them, you can destroy them. Live a life of truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and have the word of God. Pray every day. Bring out supplications to God every day. Do it all in the spirit. Pray in tongues. Pray until the burden leaves. Keep your eyes open. Persevere. Pray for the saints. Pray for your pastor. And in doing those things, you will become a mighty spiritual warrior. I know when we think about spiritual warfare, we think about people that fast 65 days and pray and scream all day. And there's a place for that. There is times for that. That is very effective. But you want to know what? Your greatest warfare to defeat the highest ranking spirits in the spirit world, the principalities, power, all of them, it's living a holy life. It's living a consistent life of prayer. It's just simply being watchful. It's having perseverance. It's loving your pastor, getting behind your pastor. And in doing those things, you will bring the kingdom of Satan down. And when Satan's kingdom comes down, that's when the kingdom of God expands. So maybe your church is having a hard time making disciples. Well, you probably got a principality problem. Maybe your church has a hard time keeping kids after they graduate high school in the church. Uh, maybe you have an evil power problem. There's a, a big ability of, of influence out there. You got rulers of darkness. You got spiritual hosts of wickedness. You have all of those things. I'm not saying every problem is accredited to the devil, but when it comes to people's salvation, people's attitudes, where people uh, put their allegiance, yeah, it does come down to the spirit world. You're listening to Spirit Signal. I'm your host, Justin Gleason. And you better believe I absolutely approve of this message. 